up, everyone? This is Must Go Faster, a pop culture podcast for the people. I'm your co-host, Ben Brailinger, broadcasting from Brooklyn. And I'm Robert Denfeld, out in Long Beach, California. So in this episode, Rob and I are going to talk about Season 2 of Master of None and review Alien Covenant. And we'll also do some uh, Where's Yo Head At? Uh, so before we get started, I uh, just wanted to remind everyone to keep spreading the word, telling your friends, family, whoever may be interested in, in pop culture, uh, to check us out, and mm-hmm. to also leave us a review on iTunes. Um, we had some good ones when we first launched, but uh, we've we've taken a dip in, in the in the reviews uh, field, but it's definitely a really helpful way to get the show out there. So For yeah, sure. just take like 60 seconds, write, um, you know, just a little blurb about what you think about the uh, the show, and, and that would just be really helpful for us getting the word out. Yeah, and if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all, like your yeah, mom Yeah, seriously, if we get a one-star <laughs> review, we can't, you know, just, yeah. <laughs> we'll never do this again. No, but uh, yeah, if you, if you do have something nice to say, please say it. Yeah, thanks. So, let's get into our new reoccurring segment, Where's Yo Head At? So just going to say, um, this is our new reoccurring segment that we introduced in our last episode, uh, where Rob and I take turns giving you quick recommendations on stuff we're watching, hearing, reading, etc. Could be a new song or a show or a YouTube clip, an interview, internet column, anything, just something we're into at the moment and think you guys should check out. So let's get into it. Rob, what are your uh, topics for, for where's your head at in this episode? All right, Benji. Um, so I have three this week, and I'm really, really excited about this first one. Mm. And it's uh, the new Radiohead single mm. titled I Promise. Did check this out a few days ago yes nice nice yeah it came out uh this past friday uh june 2nd on on spotify and apple music and so this is a previously unreleased uh studio track um off of the the okay computer album that came out in 1997 um so it wasn't on the album but it was recorded for the album and but never never released the the studio version was never released they did play it in concert for a while um they were touring with uh, Alanis Morissette at the time and uh I know they played it in concert and you can find uh the the uh recording um on YouTube like they have uh, some concert uh recordings of it but this is the first time we've heard it as like a studio track and yeah it's just a really, really uh, exciting new release from you know one of my all-time favorite bands. I know you love Radiohead as well. Oh yeah. Um, and it's just exciting to hear like new content from them, even though it's you know an old track. And I believe, I believe it was recorded back then. Like this, it sounds like old school Tom York um, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, not to say that he's fallen off vocally, but uh, you can kind of tell that it, it's him twenty years ago. He sounds really amazing. So yeah, do you have any impressions on this track? I know yeah. you've probably listened to it a few times. <laughs> yeah, I've only given it a few listens. Um, it's called what, like I Promise? I Promise, yeah. I Promise, yeah. Um, yeah, as you mentioned, it's the 20-year anniversary of uh, OK Computer. There's a lot of think pieces floating around on the, the internet. Um, right. I know Rolling Stone 
did a, a big uh, interview with them, uh-huh. um, which I saw a few excerpts from, which I think is something if you're into radio, you should check out. Uh, just talking about that process and how just uh, depressed they were. And, yeah. you know, it really yeah. reflects in the At sound the, the sound of that album. Yeah. But yeah, I like this song. It Yeah, it's got like, a, if I recall correctly, it's pretty like acoustic guitar driven. Yeah, it's acoustic guitar heavy. Yeah. And, and Tom York's vocals obviously kind of drive the track. And so I wanted to say um, they're re-releasing the album. Uh, I don't know if you know this, on June 23rd, and it's going to be called OK Not OK. It's like OK Computer, OK Not OK. Mm. Um, and they're, it's going to be all remastered. The original 12 tracks are remastered. And then uh, it's going to have three uh, new previously unreleased tracks, including this one, I promise. Uh, the other two are Lift and Man of War. Which are also uh, old like recordings, uh, but never you know never previously released. And then there's also eight B-side tracks that are going to be on the album. So it's going to be a a 23 song uh, you know new Radiohead album. It's a pretty hefty package right there. Yeah. Um. Cool. Yeah. I, di- I didn't know that. Yeah, I know. It comes out June 23rd. Nice. Super excited about it. I'm I'm already pre-ordered the vinyl. Oh, full disclosure. Yeah, that's not a shocker. <laughs> Uh, you, you're I'm pretty yeah, excited. Yeah, you still, yeah, you still ride for physical. Con- I remember in college going to the, the Best Buy. Yeah, near near our college, and you 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 could never walk away without purchasing something. I think you got like a Radiohead box set that was like yeah, a hundred and eighty dollars uh. or something. You know, this is back when we were totally broke. Yeah, had no jobs. We were like, I have to get. This. I know. Yeah, I don't know um, if it was that much, but it, yeah, I'm nice. sure I I'm sure I overpaid <laughs> right. for it. But yeah, it's still in my car oh, yeah, right. to this day. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, yeah, the vocals, I mean, with any Radiohead track, Tommy Ward's, like, I remember I was listening to on the subway and just like, once he starts singing, just like, it immediately takes you somewhere. I know. Usually that, it's not like a happy place, but it's just like, it's just so, I mean, we don't have to get into just how amazing his vocals are, but yeah, and in every track, and it's just like, this was no exception. So, uh, well, yeah, yeah, and this one, uh, usually their content, yeah, is a bit, uh, you know, down and and i don't know melancholy feeling but this one actually has a very uplifting feel and and uh a positive a positivity that is is sort of rare like you know in rainbows was sort of a positive album but uh i think the reason maybe this yeah this song i promise and lift didn't make the original okay computer album is because they didn't really fit with like the direction that the album was going and you know it's one of the greatest rock albums of the past 20 years i would argue um and so yeah it's going to be exciting to see sort of how they how they've remastered it um so yeah that's that's uh i promise it's on spotify and apple play the new radiohead single um my next and google play (laughs) yes yes you combined uh (laughs) (laughs) sorry (laughs) go ahead i'm a spotify guy um all right so my next my next uh where's your head at is a an original Netflix documentary movie called Into the Inferno. Hmm. Um, so this is a it's an original Netflix uh, directed by Werner Herzog, mm-hmm. the uh, very well known and famous uh, director uh, documentarian. Um, and this this whole documentary came out in 2016. Um, it's about uh, volcanic activity on Earth, just uh, volcanism, if you will, um, and. Basically, it just shows uh, a ton of footage of modern eruptions, um, sort of the history of studying volcanoes and volcanism, um, or volcanology, I believe. Um, And 
Yeah, just uh, they there's you know bits from Antarctica, Indonesia, Japan, Ethiopia, North Korea. Even there's some some really interesting stuff from North Korea, which is you know there's not a lot of footage period of North Korea, <laughs> yeah. and it's it's really interesting to see some uh, some footage there. Um, they got access because uh, you know they're doing like scientific documentary work. Um, yeah, and uh, so there are currently three three volcanoes in the world where magma is directly exposed and all three of these are visited in this documentary and and shot with like drones and uh Mm -hmm. helicopter shots and really cool uh technology you know like modern uh filmmaking technology is used uh to shoot these volcanoes and you learn a lot about like the spiritual side to volcanoes and like what they mean to ancient cultures and like the history of studying volcanoes and uh if you have any interest in geology and i was gonna uh, say this is the most geology by far that we've ever talked about (laughs) on this podcast meaning the first time we've ever mentioned like someone's gonna skip through this podcast like oh what's this about and just hear you talking about magma and be like what (laughs) a volcano pod i've been waiting for this (laughs) i started thinking of um this does sound really cool i haven't heard of it uh you know herzog is a great documentary maker i mean grizzly man Uh uh-huh i've been meaning to rewatch that Um, yeah i I started thinking of the uh the tommy lee jones late 90s movie volcano oh that i think is said that like la like doesn't like LA a based. volcano oh, erupt yeah. in like downtown la yeah um <laughs> when anyway I fir- that when was i first moved here first yeah when i first moved here i definitely thought about a volcano and i, I should rewatch <laughs> that <laughs> oh man just a classic la movie yeah um so yeah dang, you'll, yeah you'll, <laughs> i'm gonna rewatch that maybe yeah <laughs> we should maybe we should talk about it uh yeah so you're gonna <laughs> learn more watching this documentary than you will watching the tommy lee jones classic but uh what yeah that wasn't based off a real volcano <laughs> yeah. yeah um anyway yeah this is it's on netflix uh came out last year and it's a original netflix documentary you know netflix is is pretty big on making these and uh they they fund them very well and it's it, it's incredibly shot uh really cool stuff like you know planet earth quality uh Ooh, yeah. you know filmmaking in some of the uh some of the volcanic uh, eruption shots and uh all the footage from like modern you know from the time that you know cameras have been around so like the 1900s and and to today like every every volcano that's been uh, shot or captured erupting is is in here at some point so it's really cool to see some of those shots and uh i don't know it's just fascinating it's a good watch nice um so, so what's your third my third is something that you mentioned uh on one of our first podcasts uh mm. it is a movie from last year is in your top five and i finally got around to watching it on amazon prime uh, it is Everybody Wants Some, oh, the yeah. 2016 Richard Linklater film. Um, so yeah, I, I finally, you know, upon, I, I always wanted to see it. I just never got to it in the theater. And after hearing it, it was in your top five and some other positive feedback from other people, I uh, decided to watch it finally and had a chance. Um, so this is like a coming of age uh, story, very very similar to like Dazed and Confused, which was the seventies. This is uh, takes place in nineteen eighty, yeah. um, and it's about like uh, an incoming freshman on a baseball team in uh, Eastern Texas, and it feels like a very personal story for Linklater. Um, I know he played baseball in college and and was sort of like you know artistic and in in that 
circle of friends as well. Yeah, but also like a jock. Right. Too. Yeah, yeah. so he, he was a great athlete and everything. And it's just a really fun movie uh, for anybody that likes baseball. If you like Dazed and Confused, uh, it's a really cool movie. It's just a big hangout movie, too. Yeah. Like, it's just, there's not, like, there's hardly any plot. It, it's I believe it takes place, like, the weekend before classes start, which right. is anyone who's been to college or is in college now knows is a glorious time when you have like the level of responsibility is so minimal like right. in your life like it's just amazing <laughs> like you literally ha- not even like like your classes haven't even started so you have like literally nothing to do but just like hang out and party and yeah this movie i mean the dialogue it's got a great uh cast and it's just yeah, it's really funny and also has like sweet moments and yeah yeah it's just like a really a really I, I can't imagine like anyone hating this movie for and, sure. You know, for I would say it's probably more of a guy's movie just because like yeah, every yeah. main, every main character is a guy. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's funny. Like their, their main responsibility for the weekend was like, they have to go to the registrar's office or whatever. And like, <laughs> that's the besides that, point. they're just like hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, one thing you mentioned, I'm a, I'm a physical media lover and I, I collect vinyls and listen to them still. Uh, I thought it was funny. Like the, the main character in the movie, uh, he comes to college with his car and basically he just has like a few duffel bags of clothes. And then he has his, his crate of vinyls and like his, his whole speaker set up. And that's, that's like all he brought to college. I just, yeah, yeah. it's so much different now you, you know, you come to college with like your iPod and your MacBook and yeah. You know, all of your all of your collections of stuff and media. It's just funny to see like back in nineteen eighty what, what a college freshman brings, but simpler time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Loved the movie. Uh, you know, glad you recommended it to me. And uh yeah, so that's my, my third. It's on Amazon Prime, Amazon Instant, whatever you wanna say. Uh I know it's on the Epics app also, if anybody uh, has that on Apple <laughs> anyway, TV. Shout out to the Epics app, the two <laughs> people that might have that app. Hey, uh, hey, I'm one of those two. Epics <laughs> app. Yeah. yeah, I'm active in the community, the Epics community. Yeah. Um, so yeah, cool, cool. that's, All right, so that's let my three, the ones you get into uh, yours, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so uh, my three, I'm going to start with an album that just came out this past Friday, and that is the album from the band Bleachers. Yeah. Uh, their their new album, it's called Gone Now, so it's the second full-length album from Jack Antonoff, who used to be in the band Fun. He's become a really prolific pop songwriter over the last few years. He's written for Taylor Swift, Sia, a bunch of others. Um, he actually recently wrote uh, Gr- Lord's Greenlight single, which yeah. I know we talked about several episodes ago. Mm-hmm. But this is like his own band, and I think this is the uh, the group where it really, you know, focuses like all his you know musical aspirations into this project. It's you know it's his own thing. He's not writing for anyone else here. So right. um, it came out this past Friday, and I really like their sound. Um, it has like a very like, it's like larger than life type sound. It's right. big. The drums are huge. It's a very optimistic album. There's like mm-hmm. soaring melodies and it it really heavily leans on influences like Bruce Springsteen. Uh, so Jack is from New Jersey and I knew kind of grew up like just idolizing uh, Springsteen. Um, the Beatles, obviously, I mean, there's a track that the second track, Good Morning, which we can play a clip of is like a complete Beatles ripoff. But I mean, if you're going to rip off anyone, it might as well be the Beatles. Yeah. Um, but it, he very much is influenced by their production of their classic albums. Um, there's a lot of like Beach Boys influence, but it sounds like, you know, an album in 2017, you know, uh-huh. it, it has these classic rock influences, but is is modernized for the time we're in now. I'm singing now, but good morning to the cops. Good morning to my upstairs neighbor. 
stop! And, um, you know, it's got a lot of 80s influence as well. And I think um, one thing I really like about it is he he really is like a production wizard in a lot of ways. Um, He has a a great ear for drums. Uh, I mentioned, yeah, how he's able to really make them sound just like gigantic and really just like powerful. Uh, He mixes in all kinds of different instruments. It's like a really rich palette of sounds. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, synthesizers and like piano, but also like saxophones and horns and like church bells Uh and electric guitar. Um, And he does uh, vocally. He's got a nice, uh, you know, voice. He actually does like some nice like spoken word vocals where he's like almost like talking during a verse, which I usually am not a fan of. But for him and I think lyrically and the style of the overall sound, it works well. Um, and I think, uh, you know, this band in general, I think is pretty underrated. I, mm-hmm. I, I noticed their first album that came out of, I think like two years ago and this one, it kind of got like lukewarm reviews. I think critics understand that he's a really accomplished and skilled songwriter, but I think they, they think maybe he's better fit like writing for pop stars rather than doing his own project. But yeah. I don't know. I, I, I think this is like just awesome songwriting and production. I, yeah. I noticed that there has been some lukewarm reception of it, mm. but I, I really like it. And I, you know, just kind of going back to the Springsteen and Beatles influence, I would definitely recommend, um, you know, if you're kind of into that sound and want to kind of hear bring, you know, if you're, if you're into the Beatles, you should check out Bleachers. I mean, that's kind of sounds stupid. And if but, you're not, never listen um, again. <laughs> no. Right. Yeah. Just yeah. Don't, just kidding. I, we have nothing in common, but anyway, that's my, uh, that's my first uh, topic. And uh, yeah, I, I think everyone should check it out. Um, so my next one is the trailer for Logan Lucky, the new Steven Soderbergh movie. Ooh. Charlotte Motor Speedway. I know how they move the money. So yeah, it is the new movie from Steven Soderbergh, who uh, you may know he did Ocean's Eleven, Traffic. He rec- most recently did the uh, Cinemax series The Nick, which I was a big fan of. Um, it stars Adam Driver, Channing Tatum, Catherine Watterson, who's in Alien Covenant, which we'll get to later, mm-hmm. uh, Daniel Craig. It's definitely, in watching the trailer, it's by far the most comedic role that Craig has ever played. Um, he's very funny in the trailer, and you can tell, like, he seems happy doing something that's, like, so different from Bond. Yeah. Um, that, you know, and it, he, I, I think he's going to be the star of this one. Huh. But it's about two brothers trying to pull off a heist during a NASCAR race in North Carolina. So a pretty simple premise. I don't think the stakes are that high, but it's like a unique setting. I think like NASCAR, I mean, the first like comedy kind of set around NASCAR since like Talladega Nights, I want to (laughs) say. NASCAR is a world I I know next to nothing about, but judging from the trailer, it looks like a pretty like cool setting and you can just do a lot and kind of like, they're like, you know, behind the scenes in this NASCAR race. And it's all just like that world, like, southern world and i mean it's obviously a huge part of southern culture it's just something that uh i think neither neither you or i have had much experience with but (laughs) the trailer's online now it's really funny there's a few laugh out loud moments Uh it's very you know watching it i was thinking like because it has a very clear kind of coen brothers vibe kind of like deadpan comedy and you know it's there's a crime involved but it's very comedic and Hmm. Just like amazing how influential the Coen Brothers are. Yeah. I feel like that style is so mimicked today, for you know? sure. Especially like in these last like ten years, right? And uh, yeah, the show is really funny. I mean, Adam's driver's character, like, there's a point where he says like this really deadpan way, like, 
my life of crime is over and they cut to like a shot of like his car like running into like a convenience store huh. <laughs> like just like shattering the glass and stuff nice that i got a kick out of and just like the stupidity of channing tatum's character who plays as adam driver's brother and it's just good to see this is coming out in later in the summer and in, in mid-august so it'll be like a late summer release okay but it's it's nice to see you know anything that's not especially in the summer that's not uh, part of like an already established material yeah you know this isn't a sequel or a reboot or based <laughs> off a comic book or anything this is it's like rare these days yeah i believe like an original story so uh yeah i'm really looking forward to this one i when we did our 10 movies to look forward to uh you know a uh, f- few months ago uh this is one i wasn't aware of or also maybe would have put it in my my 10 to look forward to so uh that is logan lucky and one to one to check out uh when it's released in, in mid-august cool so my last item is um, <laughs> interviews f- with Noel Gallagher. Do you know Noel Gallagher? He's the he's the, uh, the, the chief uh, singwriter Oasis? of Oasis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I got to I want to shout this out. So he recently turned fifty. I've always, I'm a big Oasis fan. I mean, he's yeah, an incredible too. songwriter. He he was the kind of the brains behind Oasis' biggest hits, uh-huh. and you know was their guitarist. And he recently turned fifty. And I saw I came across online someone like compiled like here are like his fifty best quotes from interviews over the years. Mm-hmm. And I've always been a fan of his his interview style and kind of just his honesty. And he's just like super hilarious and. I think that uh, it's he's definitely very cynical, but he's so honest that it's like charming and refreshing to hear. He's totally like unafraid to comment on what he thinks about like other acts, like you know whether it's like a pop act or a band or a rapper uh-huh. like, happening now, and just what he thinks of them. And he's such a great and proven songwriter that I think he can get away with it if he was like some hat. Like if this was like you know the songwriter for Nickelback, it'd be like, man, you're a terrible person. But uh, yeah. he is like such a such a good song, it's like credible. He, yeah, like he can, he can kind of say what he can com. He has the right to comment on like other music. Sure. And I just find him to be so funny. I wanted to read just a few quotes, um, of his from this this article I saw. Okay. And again, you can just it's they're a Google search away. I mean, just Noel Gallagher interviews. Um, you know, he just like is great for like those sound bites that you can kind of just like take to represent an interview. But um. You know, and I'm going to try to do these, I guess I'll try to do these in a British accent because that kind of, oh boy, you have to know that he's extremely British. He's from Manchester. Okay. Um, let's just see how this goes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'll, <laughs> let me try the first one. Yeah. yeah. So like, this is like, uh, so this is from this uh, aggregate of like all his interviews and okay. a quote. So basically like upon learning uh, Westlife, which I think is like this pop Westlife is like this pop UK band. It was never big in the States, but it's kind of just like a poser rock band. Uh-huh. So upon learning that Westlife had beaten Oasis, U2, and the Beatles in an album chart battle back in November 2006, Noel Gallagher replied with, there is no God. <laughs> uh, which I, I'm a fan. Solid. Uh, hey, <laughs> just like very going. like... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's another one that I really like. Um, there is no God. <laughs> because do you ever look at the sky and think, I'm glad I'm alive? After I heard Sum 41, I thought, uh, I'm actually alive to hear the the shittiest band of all time, which is, quite, which is quite something when you think about it. Of all the bands that have gone before and all the bands that will be in the future, I was around when the, I was around when the worst was around. 
Um, Damn, I Peyton on yeah, some forty one. I know some forty one. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, it's a terrible band name. They're they're pretty lame. But yeah, I, yeah. I just think it's like that's funny. It's such a funny way to to go from. Um, we might have to get a bleep sensor. I'll send you a sensor for the uh, the curse there. I was, uh, but I decided to go raw there. Yeah. Um. Here he is commenting on credibility. Uh. Someone asked him, "Is is Jack White, who I think you know, we're both big fans of?" He asked, "Yeah, is he?" Um you know, is he, how credible is he as like a rock star? And he says, Jack White has, has done a song for Coca-Cola. End of. He ceases to be in the club and he looks like Zorro on Donuts. <laughs> nice. um, on Donuts. Zorro on Donuts is a pretty, a pretty. Uh, yeah. A I, pretty, I, uh, I get it. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I mean, yeah, no respect. I mean, you know, but just like, I mean, everyone knows what Jack White looks like and it's a pretty creative and, and just... <laughs> funny yeah. description of that um one other quote from this from this article okay um noel gallagher says uh you know, this guy came up to me from some band and and he said that man i'd hate to be you right now no privacy at all and i was thinking sure thing man i have an effing rolls royce a million dollars in the bank an effing mansion in my own jet and you think you'd feel sorry for me what are you i hate to be you broke as hell and living in the dole which is like <laughs> basically a uh, the UK's version of some like government like assisted living uh-huh. kind of program. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, they're very cynical. Yeah. Um, and but I said like he he is so honest and like because of his like background as such an accomplished songwriter, you really um, take his word for like a lot of what he says. Like it mm-hmm. seems like he just kind of cuts through the BS and tells the truth. And I just recommend if you enjoy. I know my. I don't know why I went in and out of trying to do a British accent. That's all right. When I was running out those quotes, yeah. whatever. Um, I thought it was I wasn't solid. too confident in it, but yeah. If you enjoy cynical, smart people with an extremely British accent uh, making just kind of life observations and music observations, check out some Noel Gallagher interviews. They're awesome, and he actually has a new album with his band coming out, uh, Noel Gallagher and the High Flying Birds, which comes out later this year. Oh, so nice. I think it comes out in November. Cool. And he produced that. And it's if you like Oasis, you'll be a fan of it. So just be on the lookout for that. Yeah. I've so heard, I've heard he's three. a... Sorry, I've heard he's a bit of a prickly character. And uh, yeah, this, oh, this absolutely. definitely backs it up. <laughs> yeah, he's... Yeah, totally. He's quite prickly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that is my, my third and final uh, where's my head at topic. Where's your head so, at? Yeah, yeah. So um, we're going to transition over to the new season of Master None, nice. which uh, Rob and I have consumed in full. So this will kind of be a spoiler discussion on the second season. And yeah, just what our, what our thoughts are. So uh, Rob, do you, uh, what were your, what were your kind of initial impressions or what do you kind of want to lead off here with, with Master None? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how much like spoiler heavy you can really you can really say i mean probably like the relationship aspect with francesca is really like the only spoiler there is to to put out there and maybe we'll in the ending of death castle yeah true true right that's (laughs) yeah good reference um yeah (laughs) so maybe we'll like hold back from some of the francesca uh you know uh references but Mm -hmm. yeah so this season two dropped on may 12th on netflix um you know season one came out in 2000 late 2015 um and so yeah i kind of nailed it in last time we talked about uh the trailer for this season uh the first episode uh takes place in modena italy where he's uh studying pasta and living with this italian family um, it's all in black and white, and it's very much uh, like a reference to Bicycle Thieves, this Italian film. 
Um, and it's clear that, you know, Aziz has been studying the Italian classics and like pasta making. And, you know, we talked about it last week with his interview with uh, Bill Simmons. He talked about uh, actually going to Italy and living in Modena for, for a month and, mm-hmm. you know, learning, taking Italian lessons. And he, he speaks Italian very well, uh, in the series. And yeah, so, I mean, it's 10 episodes, uh, uh we can go sort of episode by episode or talk about maybe our favorites. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's just as good as the first season, if not better. Um, some of the episodes maybe. Maybe we're not quite as strong as some others, but there are there are five or six, you know, I would I would say masterpiece 30 minutes here. Mm. Um, And yeah, yeah, I thought it was really, really great. Yeah, I think. um, Yeah, for me, season two kind of rose to new heights. I I really Mm -hmm. like season one, but I think this this season hit like a higher like batting percentage. I think there was kind of only one like total like kind of throwaway episode for me which was i think like episode seven just called like door number three it just like i don't know wasn't as compelling um yeah but yeah i mean i i really love this season too it it really this show is followed in the footsteps of like louis the fx series and and like atlanta and just like how elastic it can be just kind of the creative freedom of the show um, where it's not a comedy it's not a drama you know it's many things wrapped up into one and it just like they try new things. I mean, this show, you definitely, even if you just like hate Aziz and you just don't find the, the show funny at all or whatever, I mean, no one can say like, it's a, like just a generic show that is just kind of like going through the motions. I mean, no. they really do try t- all kinds of new th- things, whether it's like topics of episodes mm-hmm. or kind of the cinematography, the, the music that's used, like the yeah. opening credits. It's just like very, um, yeah, just very creative. And I, I really like how they just do like, uh, they'll do a 22 minute episode or they'll do a 36 minute episode or they, and there's an episode that's an hour long and it's just yeah, the whatever serves episode. whatever serves the story best. And I think uh-huh. that's just like when you're a creator, uh, you know, or an artist like television studios have gotten a lot better at this with mm-hmm. working like Netflix has really changed the game here where they just right. say, you know, make it however long you think it needs to be. Yeah. Like, and it, it doesn't it doesn't have to fit the confines of like. Right. Just, There's like, no limit. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I think um, like the religion episode, for example, I noticed yeah. is like shorter than every other episode. But like it's that's like a great episode. And mm. it's just like that's all it needed. You know, it didn't need to be longer. And yeah, it doesn't because it's like all just, you know, on this streaming service, like it doesn't need to you don't have to worry about like commercial breaks and fitting it into like that mold. And it just right. like allows like creative people like Aziz to really just uh, do whatever they want. Um, this show, I mean, this season, I binge watched the first five episodes in one sitting with my girlfriend. Nice. Uh, shout out to Becky <laughs> uh, at her apartment. Hi, we, Becky. we cooked pasta. We had red wine and we ripped through the first five, which is half half the series. But yeah, um, yeah I mean, I think uh, my first impression of the first couple episodes, besides yeah, the heavy Italian cinema influence, um, uh-huh. was I think... Uh, Big Bud Arnold, the character oh, uh, played by Eric Wareheim. I think yeah. his comedy really goes to the next level. In episode two, when he visits uh, Dev, who's played by Aziz in Italy, yeah. and just kind of their bromance, and I just like really funny. I don't know. I I, I really got a kick out of him. Yeah, and he reminds uh, me of our friend Richie a little bit. Yeah, for sure. I, think of it. I, I spent the morning <laughs> with Richie. Richie. Yeah, I spent the morning <laughs> with him in uh, Long Beach. Uh, yeah, he's so funny. I loved him in the first season, Eric uh, Wareheim, uh, Big Bud, uh, Arnold. But yeah, I think he even went to the next level uh, performance-wise. And he actually directed, uh, I think, let's two episodes of this yeah. season. Uh, the, yeah, um, yeah. 
the fourth episode and the fifth episode, which were two of my favorites, actually the first date episode that um, sort of like a montage of Aziz uh, using dating apps and, and dating. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the dinner party episode he directed as well. Uh, One shot from that episode that I loved was at the very end. I don't know if you remember this when uh, Aziz drops, drops Francesca off at the Uber. And then we just see, Aziz sort of absorbing the whole night. Uh, it's like this three-minute shot, and it's just Aziz yeah, no in cuts. the backseat. Yeah, there's there's just a, a music. Like an uh, yeah, there's a song playing, and it's just him sitting there, and he gets a text from Francesca that's like a funny, you know, uh, summary of the night or whatever, uh, a callback to a, an earlier line that Aziz had. And, yeah, it's just a really unique way to, you know, end an episode of TV, just a three-minute sort of... Uh, yeah, it's almost like, um, it was kind of uncomfortable to watch at first, but uh-huh. just, like, very real, and it's yeah. something like... real-life moments. I think everyone has been in that situation, like, where you're just, like, alone with your thoughts, and, like, you don't... You're not even, like, doing anything else, and you can just see, like, the range of emotions that he has, like, in the cab, mm-hmm. where he's, like... You know, there, nothing is spoken, it's just this song being played, and him in the backseat of this Uber... But you can just like tell, you can just see that there's like so much going through his head and he's kind of like weighing different things. He's like, there are times where he like almost seems like more hopeful, but then he like remembers like, oh yeah, she lives in Italy and she's engaged or, you know, yeah. and he's like, oh God. And it's just like, yeah, that was, um, yeah, there's like a really powerful scene that, that definitely stood out to mm-hmm. me. Um, well, you mentioned, I think, uh, real quick, you, you mentioned know, the, the religion episode. That was probably my least favorite of all of the episodes. And it was really short, like 21 minutes. And it still had like some you know, redeeming qualities to it and kind of charming, but it felt kind of like a forced fed episode to get uh, Aziz's parents back in there, you know, cause the episode parents from season yeah, one, his mom is so, yeah, it's so kind of cringe. I mean, his dad is great, but the mom is like, I've heard she like hates acting and really say like, he almost has to like force her to be on the show, but yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it kind of shows, and it, yeah, that's what one of my roommates was saying. He's like, she's so bad that it like takes me out of any scene that yeah, she's that, part of. But um, that was the one episode where it kind of felt like you know line reading, like oh yeah, even Aziz's performance was not great because yeah, mad he felt at you. kind of like awkward. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and it was fine because like Parents was so successful in season one and it won them the the Emmy award, but uh, it felt like maybe a little bit of a force here to like squeeze them into another episode this season his his dad is fine um you know he's kind of funny but yeah i yeah, think the he's mom's really a little cr- cringeworthy totally yeah i think um you know we mentioned uh so the main kind of story arc of this this season two is this this romance between aziz's character dev and uh francesca who's played by alessandra mastronardi um yeah mastronardi i think is yeah wow i can't believe i pronounced something correctly Nailed you it. know some this <laughs> yeah right um so this arc, I think it worked really well, and it was, it was very effective. I, I've read some criticisms that, um, kind of like the main criticism of this this season has been that her character is kind of underdeveloped, which I can understand, but mm. I don't know. I was really struck by their chemistry as the the season rolled along. Yeah, I think anyone who's ever been a victim of uh, unrequited love, which, uh, right. Rob, I know you and I have been victims of that, uh, is, Especially I don't know, I was in really... Travels. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I think that um, it was, uh, yeah, just like really effective and uh, relatable. I think Aziz really plays it well. Um, 
towards you know the end of the season mm-hmm. where the episodes really focus on the relationship between those two yeah he, it very much like seems like a guy who especially in like episode nine which is an hour long he just like you can tell he's a guy who's like slowly just f- completely falling in love with this person yeah and um you know i i just thought it was really well done and i, I don't know i mean i i thought the romance really worked it kind of reminded me, me of like uh jim and pam from the office season yeah. two kind of like that level and just kind of being you know it, it was similar where the guy was falling for the girl who was engaged but yeah. uh it, I, yeah just kind of like really effective mm-hmm. and um you know, kind of just going to like episode nine, uh, you know, I thought that was kind of the best writing the show's ever done. Um, I would agree with that. You know, and there was just so many, so many uh, great shots. I, you know, I don't want to sound corny, but like the shot of Dev and Francesca like dancing in his apartment during the blizzard. Yeah. Is like freaking magical. Like, I don't know. There's just like, it's like a magical, like, I mean, it's not a movie, but it felt like a magical like movie moment that you'd see yeah. in, a, in a Woody Allen movie. And like, the cinematography in that episode, like the shots of the New York City skyline in the beginning, just like the brightness of the lights, it looks like dreamlike. And the the scene in the drugstore where Francisca mm. goes in, and it's just like her giddiness, and it's like a part of culture you never think about, like how in America, yeah, we have like these drugstores, and like they, right. it's something that like we total, I mean, not we take for granted, but it's just like not something we think is interesting at all. But then when someone from a new culture comes, like it, it was just kind of like a new way to look at that. Um, yeah. You know, also the scene in that episode at Arnold's DJ party where they're, mm-hmm. like, arguing, like, up against the... Like, Aziz has his, like, head, like, up against the wall. And it's just, like, the writing and the way those two actors, uh, you know, they play that that scene just felt, yeah, very, very real. Um, and, and almost felt, like, too real. And it was, again, like, just something that was really, really effective for me. And then, yeah. you know, of course, at the end when they're in the helicopter and mm-hmm. there's the kind of confession. And it, it was just, like, very, you know, them speaking through, um, you know, the mics and their helmets. And mm-hmm. it was just, like, very <laughs> unusual and, like, original. and kind of fits the overall tone of the show. And yeah. then you have, like, the helicopter pilot would be like, oh, by the way, I can hear all you if you want I can to hear. I knew, I, yeah, I knew he was going to say that because I've been in a helicopter once and, uh, you know, every, everybody can hear everybody talking on those things. So I was like, I know the pilot's going to say something here because it was such an intimate conversation, but it was really funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that episode, that episode, I'm, I'm surprised. I just finished uh, this season uh, just a, a day ago, so I haven't really read any criticism about it. Um but I'm surprised to hear there's a little bit of negativity uh, about their relationship because I thought, um, you know, like the the flirtatious uh, nature of it and just like the like you said, the realistic qualities and just like how how one person falls for another person and the second person is reluctant, but kind of knows it's happening. Also, I, I thought it was really well uh, portrayed and, and just felt very real. Mm-hmm. Um, the shot in episode nine, when they're at the, or I guess the whole sequence when they're at the, uh, the museum in upstate New York. Um, oh yeah. The park, I'm not like sure. The outdoor, outdoor park. Thing. Yeah. The outdoor park with yeah. all the, the sculptures. Um, I thought that scene was just really, really well done. And, and some of the cinematography, like the shot of the rolling Hills with like the fall foliage and, and them, you know, walking across, uh, like the whole frame yeah. or whatever. And, and, uh, Aziz giving her a piggyback ride that shot. That was like a Kubrick shot to me, which is <laughs> no, like yeah, a, the a bold statement, but it's, yeah, it was great. It's so good. Yeah. I just, yeah. To kind of piggyback on the cinematography. I mean, it seems like 
throughout the show, almost every scene is kind of shot with this like same filter. It gives the show like a really like warm and like cozy feel. Yeah. Uh, a lot of like the outdoor shots of, uh, you know, characters walking at night in the city. Um, you know, the blizzard scene I mentioned is just like, it's just beautiful to look at. And yeah, there's, um, it, it almost reminded me, this is something I mentioned to, to my girlfriend, like the, um, during the blizzard, like there's the shot of like Aziz's kitchen and it's broken into like three different like lights. Like one part of it is like this pink and another part is blue. Another part is orange. I actually like, I loved it so much. I literally took like a screenshot of my laptop of like this. Really? I was like, I nice. want to just have this like as a picture. Yeah. And it almost reminded me of like, for some reason I kept thinking like a miniature model home in a way. Like yeah, it yeah. has like, like the way the snow was like up against the windowsill. And it's uh-huh. just like this like uh-huh. picturesque, a moment i don't know i just i really i the cinematography is just so so awesome in this show and yeah um, another and, thing and just I, the writing yeah yeah another thing i really love is the opening credits yeah me um, too which you know they started doing this style in the first season where each one is slightly different the way it just like takes its time it reminds me of like how quentin tarantino still like will give you like opening credits where it's just like the text of who was involved it's not like it just it's 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 old school it's nice like i love these are just like weird things that I love, like the cast listing with like the dotted lines that yeah. across the screen yeah. for like each act. It's like so very 70s classic cinema. Like, yeah, totally. I just I just love like those types of decisions that yeah. the show makes. You can you can um, tell Aziz I, has sort of uh, done a deep dive into into classic. You know, he mentioned Italian cinema, but I think he's just been watching a lot of classics. You know, it really comes through, especially especially the episodes that he directed. He directed. Uh, episodes one and two and then uh nine and ten i believe mm-hmm. so yeah those are those were some of my favorite episodes and they felt very like personal to him and and you could kind of tell that it was him behind behind you know the controls because uh it, they all had like their their own uh, particular feel to them and uh i thought he did a great job directing this season yeah i also wanted to shout out the episode that we haven't i think touched on yet is the i love you new york which yeah uh, new york i love you aziz and the main new york i love you yeah is they're barely in the episode Mm -hmm. um and it just focuses on like you know three like 10 minute segments on just different characters in the city that are just, they never get stories told about them. They're yeah. like the doorman and like the cab driver. Uh-huh. And really, I mean, the, the second segment is with this deaf mute girl and the entire uh, entire segment is without sound to kind yeah. of just put yourself in her shoes. And That's I remember really when cool. I first watched that, I was like, man, this is like, I'm experiencing a profound moment, right? Yeah. Now. Like this is, this is, this is challenge. you know, this is new and exciting um and yeah like i mentioned the fake movie death castle right. that they all go see at the end that's definitely an homage to the ones that are like made up in seinfeld like the channel and yeah yeah negative and, uh, <laughs> rochelle rochelle, rochelle, rochelle. yeah everybody out of the channel <laughs> good good point um, yeah i didn't think of that yeah 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 um, um so i wanted to ask yeah. you uh what were your, I'll, I'll start with mine and then i'll ask you yours uh what were your favorite if you could pick like two episodes i guess what were your favorite episodes mm-hmm. of the season um i would say my favorite probably was thanksgiving yeah which was Great kind of a bottle episode like yeah. that and and number nine uh the the very romantic uh amas i don't even know how to say right it. yeah that's amarasi the unpo. Yeah. yeah the hour-long romantic episode but thanksgiving is this bottle episode 
uh, with his best friend, um, played by, oh God, do you know her name? I'm not sure. I forget, but her character's name is Denise, right? Yeah, Denise. Um, and it just goes through, uh, like five or six, um, years of them spending, like Dev, uh, spending Thanksgiving with her family. And then like her realization as a teenager that she's a lesbian and then like, trying to break it to her family and then like later on when they're adults uh her bringing like girlfriends to the house for thanksgiving and it's just a really really cool idea and concept episode and it kind of like stands alone apart from the rest of the season but i'm glad i'm glad they do that you know it's cool like the season has this romantic arc and and storyline to it but then they they fit in like new york i love you and then uh, this one, Thanksgiving, they're kind of just like standalone episodes that don't yeah, have totally. anything to do with like the main story, but they're really cool and like, you know, great filmmaking. Yeah, yeah. There's some great music cues in that episode. Yeah, too, definitely. Like the, biggie. <laughs> the biggie. Yeah. Oh, man. I was like, I was like, damn, I forgot how like dope his verses in yeah. that song. Oh, um, man. I listened to it, it afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, so, yeah, when he, oh, my God. I, I was walking and I was walking the streets of the of the city uh the other week i put that on and i just felt like unstoppable yeah um, and then uh the first but, uh, two episodes yeah. the thief and lenose the two episodes in italy i thought were both you know perfect i just yeah. i just loved them. very different uh, episodes yeah. in a lot of ways but still yeah very strong the second one i thought was maybe the funniest uh yeah just because like yeah bringing it back to the big bud little bud uh-huh. dynamic and you know their food adventures and just everything i don't know i just thought their chemistry is so good and the very Uh, little i I really like that episode a lot yeah very little bud too the italian actor um the little little boy i thought he was good oh yeah 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 yeah. he's yeah yeah he's he's good as well it's hard to get like i I read like interviews he's saying is like it's so hard to get um to cast like the right kind of kids to play those roles like comedy and it's just like it's a really hard casting job i was actually going back to the thanksgiving episode Something I was really impressed of too is how they were able to find like a teenage dev, like who, yeah. who plays played by Aziz. But it's like it's not Aziz, and it's like he's so young where they couldn't have just done like Aziz plays that part and like put makeup on. It would right. just feel like too weird. So they found like a fifteen year old version of him, and it's like and it's believable. I, yeah, totally. Like his uh, mannerisms and what he says and his mm-hmm. delivery. It's like oh, that, this is this is like the bloodline of Aziz, but it's like this totally like unknown actor. And I yeah. thought it was just like really hard to pull that off. And they, they did that. And I thought it was, uh, got to give them props for that. Yeah. Um, that episode yeah, I was think directed. My favorite, um, oh, sorry. That was directed you know, by, uh, Melina Matsukis and then Alan Yang, the other co-writer directs a couple episodes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Go to your favorites. Yeah. I think I, I would have to put episode nine, um, which I, I kind of went on a, uh, a uh, love rant about that yeah. just good that was um yeah or, you know we were i think i had a grin and, i had like a grin on my face that entire episode i was just so happy watching it yeah yeah definitely um and then yeah i mean probably you know i like the dinner party episode a lot yeah the one that we mentioned that ends with aziz in the back of the uber for yeah. four minutes kind of staring off into the void but uh I thought that was, you know, we haven't mentioned the side character that's introduced, uh, Chef Jeff yeah. in the show, who's Bobby like an Cannibal. Anthony Bourdain style. Yeah, who um, I thought he was really funny um, when he's first introduced and like he's having dinner with Aziz. And I thought the storyline worked well, too. Um, in terms of, yeah, like in the, in, you know, episode 10, it comes out that he's had all these like sexual harassment charges. And it's mm-hmm. like, I thought that was like a very realistic subplot where like it didn't, 
it didn't go like too far. Like, I mean, obviously like that's, it's a bad thing that he was doing, but it wasn't like, I don't know. It felt like in just the world we live in, like something, you know, we unfortunately see that happen a lot with, uh, people in certain businesses and, yeah. and companies and stuff and right. having to be, you know, it kind of ruins their career. And I thought and it was just, how um, quickly it impacts you. Totally. I mean, the scene when they're on like Raven and on <laughs> yeah. live television was like really funny and yeah. stuff. And, uh, yeah, it was, um, yeah, you know, that stood out to me. I mean, I, I like episode two a lot with the, um, with the big bud, little bud in, yeah. in Italy and they go to, uh, Tuscany and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But, um, Cool. Yeah, you know, it, in the the finale too. I was gonna say like the final scene, quite a cliffhanger. Yeah, it reminded me of the Graduate, the ah. final scene in the Graduate, where it's kind of like, I mean, we don't know if it's how was that real, was that fake. I don't know yeah. what it was, but yeah. in the scene of Francesca and Dev in the bed together, kind of implying, oh, they do get back together, but it was kind of like the spoiler look alert, kind of <laughs> like, oh, did we make? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I mean, we mentioned earlier there be some spoilers. Like, yeah, it's fine did we make a mistake here? You yeah. know, like we're excited, but like, it's just, it, it, I don't know. It just reminded that final scene, the graduate, like after they get married and they're on the bus and they're yeah. just kind of like staring off and it's, yeah, um, I don't know. It's a, it's know. a good cliffhanger. It definitely, you know, definitely leads you into the third season. I'm, I'm curious. And I noticed that she wasn't wearing her, her engagement ring. Um, oh, yeah. so that's sort of like a, uh, whatever, a cookie, what do they call that? A, uh, Easter egg. Sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, so I wanted to say real quick, just like my takeaway from the show, um, I think it's the best show that I can think of. Maybe there's something else, but that just shows like in a, in the most realistic quality, uh, like the use of technology and, and devices, like mostly, mostly phones, um, and just how like modern living is impacted by texting and like dating apps and, you know, like the instantaneous pictures and videos that people take and, and how like, you know, you come home at the end of a day and then you reflect on it with, uh, you know, looking through your pictures and, and just how, how like people communicate nowadays. And it does it in such a way that it's not like invasive or seems like forced. It's just very realistic. And I just, I'm, I love that, you know, they attempted it and they pulled it off and that, you know, it, it captured just modern society in with you know iPhones and Samsungs and all that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, do do you agree with that? I completely disagree. No, uh, yeah, no, I think that's, that's um, especially <laughs> yeah, that episode quiet. where they're where they're. I hated that. No, um, <laughs> the they rip through like uh, there's an episode called First Date. I think it's episode four where he's using like the dating app and kind of yeah, just to kind of show. I mean, that's. Um, you know, the culture of that and just how kind of weird it is and, yeah. and kind of just looking at it from a different perspective. But yeah, yeah, it's definitely, I mean, it's a show of this time now. Mm-hmm. Smartphones are a big part of daily life and that's how it is in the show. So, you know, with season three, I've heard that, you know, this might, season three might not happen as he's really? said, like, he's like annoyed that people are like, so when's season three? And he's like, dude, he's like, I got to chill for a little bit. Like I got to live. Yeah. Like he's like, I got to do season 34 of Aziz, like, you know, live my life, you know? And I would, I would bet, um, the show coming back just because of like how popular it is. And like, Mm -hmm. I think, but I just could see it being like at least like two two years. Like, yeah, he, you know, he's not going to do, he's, you know, he doesn't need the money. So like, he's only going to do it if he has like, enough story to tell mm-hmm. does he have does he have enough material for 10 more episodes of this and like right. when he gets to that point with his partner with his writer um that's when he'll do it um but there is a chance that this may be it huh. um which would be disappointing because we're both 
the big fans of it, but uh, we'll see. But yeah, I, I really love this season two. And um, yeah, for me, it, it went up a notch from season one. Yeah. So to round off this Shall episode, we? <laughs> yeah, let's get into uh, a movie we both saw. This came out, this didn't just come out. I mean, it came out uh, a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And we've talked a lot about the Alien series on this podcast. And I felt pretty compelled that I wanted to talk about this new one, Alien Covenant. Um, not for good reasons, I will say that. Uh, but I saw it actually uh, Thursday of opening weekend. Like, uh-huh. you know, so right when it came out, my roommates and I were excited. We got reserved seats. Um, I, I, I give this a D to D, D plus. I was going to uh, ask you what rating. your grade was. Yeah. I think this was a totally like, and I was really excited. Like Alien, the original Alien is in my I, my top twenty. I would say now. I recently rewatched that, and it's just like so flawless. The second one, James Cameron directed, is a great action movie. Aliens. Um, and I was just I don't know. I thought like I was disappointed disappointed by Prometheus from a few years ago, and I just thought that this one was going to be a bit more like focused and just like a really kind of like more of like a monster movie that's around the xenomorph, which is like the main creature from the series, and like. Right. I just felt like it was useless. Like why other than money, like why, why was this made? Like I didn't care for a single character. Like, and just like stupid, like cliches, like, Hey, guess what? There's a character named Tennessee and you're not going to believe it. Uh, he wears a cowboy hat. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's just like, and you know, one of my roommates pointed out that they didn't even do much with that character. Like it would have been fun to give him like a Southern personality and like some one liners, but he's just kind of there. And you know, the movie looks nice. Like, Ridley Scott, like, you know, from a cinematography perspective and, like, world building, like, he has a good eye for that all. But yeah, it was just, like, a series of, like, dumb scenes with bad <laughs> writing that just didn't uh-huh. land for me. I mean, like, uh-huh. the, the like, abbreviated, like, genocide scene in, like, the middle of the movie, that's just kind I of know. an example of, like, what? Like, yeah. it's just, like, kind of going off on this tangent. And yeah. as I walked out of the theater, there were, like, two moments that I liked, okay. you know, throughout, like, a two-hour movie. And that was... The quarantine scene, yeah, um, which I thought was just like a very effective like horror scene. Which yeah, I, and yeah, a big, was well done. A big callback to Alien yeah. too, very similar to that yeah, quarantine yeah, scene. Definitely, I like a good quarantine scene. Um, but uh, and also just like the, and this is like a yeah, very like just like small moment, but the way they shot uh when they arrive on the planet and yeah. the first guy like steps on that like batch of like eggs or whatever the uh-huh. those were and they like fly out and like into his earlobe in like just the kind of micro yeah that's the micro strain. level of that i thought yeah. was cool literally other than that um and that hasn't changed you know in the several weeks since like thinking about it i mean yeah i don't know yeah i just i just really didn't like it i don't know what i we exchanged some texts mm. i know you you didn't dislike it as much as i did but Mm -hmm. yeah what were your kind of initial initial thoughts okay so yeah i saw it um a week after i saw it the the following weekend after it was released um so you gave it a d plus i'm gonna give it a c plus i didn't think it was uh you know great by any means but it had some i was entertained like my big takeaway was i was entertained by it and i think halfway through the movie i kind of just stopped caring about the alien universe and i was like like, critiquing yeah i was like let me just watch this and have fun with it you know like some of the big action sequences at the end were were well shot and you know you mentioned like the cinematography of the planet uh i know it was shot mostly in new zealand and it's really beautiful um really good uh camera work and everything um 
but yeah, the, the whole thing felt like hollow to me. Like, so sort of like, yeah, like you said, what's the point of this? Um, so full disclosure, after seeing this movie, I just wanted to go on a deep dive in back into this universe. Oh, yeah. Like, you, yeah, I hadn't you, you watched did quite a dive. <laughs> I know I'm, I'm exhausted by it, but anyway, um, I watched Alien afterwards. So my girlfriend hadn't seen the original Alien and Aliens. So yeah. after seeing Covenant, um, I watched Alien with her and then Aliens. And then we watched, uh, we rented Prometheus and watched that as well. And I just wanted to like try to make sense of this whole universe. And my takeaway is it doesn't make sense. <laughs> and um, <laughs> um, so like, I don't know how, how much time we want to like delve into this um i have a a lot of you know i've been reading some forums and threads (laughs) oh man that's a level when you go into the forum yeah forum especially in something like this like sci-fi uh there's so much on the internet about it um yeah well what i really love about i may have an account (laughs) on one of the fan websites i may may or may not have made an account (laughs) (laughs) you know the first one i say yeah i'm such a huge fan of and one of the reasons I think that movie really works is how focused it is. Like it is just essentially like a monster movie in space and it right. doesn't try to do it's too like a much. It takes its time. Yeah. It's like a horror movie. And yeah, um, that is like the complete opposite of a movie like alien covenant that really tries to like, you know, just lean into these like huge themes of like existence and like our mankind. And it Creation. just like, I don't care. Like, I think it would have been, it would have served this movie better if like, they decided to, you know, even if they just kind of made a copycat like Alien again, be like, mm-hmm. okay, it's with new characters, but it's going to be a very, like, stripped down, like, there's an alien on the loose that's terrifying, and it's going to hunt down people one by one, and it's going to be, we're going to spend time on the characters and, mm-hmm. and make you, you know, when they do get mutilated by the Xenomorph, you're going to care about it, and it's just, um, I don't know, yeah, th- this just really had none of that. I mean, yeah. I, I've seen some polarizing reviews of it online where, like, some well-respected critics have argued that it's good. Like, the Rotten Tomatoes score is actually decent. I mean, it was, like, a 72 or something. Yeah. Like, you know, so this is not, like... It's middling. Overall, got, like, more good reviews than not. But yeah. But I just, um, you know, I'd say this was the most disappointed I've been in, in like, an, a movie I've seen opening weekend. Yeah. Last time I was this disappointed, I think, was Dark Knight Rises. Okay. Um, which I you know from i think that was in 2012 so um yeah i i think yeah um, i mean you know i think it may be deserving of a rewatch by you uh maybe with like uh time to reflect on on it and uh you know maybe not anticipating it as much and just going into it as like a fun thing um so i don't know how much everybody all of our listeners know about this universe you know ridley scott directed the original alien uh james cameron directed aliens uh like six years later in 1986 the original came out in 1979 um and then so prometheus came out in 2012 and that was there was also the two in the 90s yeah three actually directed by david fincher and i don't even know who did resurrection uh it's a french director (laughs) i can't remember his name Um, but yeah, I mean, those are, those are whatever, but, um, (laughs) so it's just interesting, like Prometheus and then this one is the follow-up to Prometheus. So it's all takes place before Alien. And the, the idea is basically like a background of how these aliens came to exist or how the xenomorph, uh, came to exist. And in this film or in, in, uh, Prometheus were introduced to the engineers and that whole storyline, you know, the, the creation of humans and and right there i mean 
it's very really bold and <laughs> and takes a huge leap you know um we're talking about like who created the whole point of the movie is like Wayland played by Guy Pierce is trying to find you know meet his maker or whatever and he takes David we're introduced to the the android David character played by Michael Fassbender and um you know it's pretty clear from the start like all of the all of the AIs uh, in these films are kind of like pro alien creature because they're obsessed with like the perfection of the creation. The perfect organism. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and like it's just a little much for me. But um, yeah, so just the the leap from Prometheus to this one, um, it just kind of felt like maybe it wasn't fully thought through, and like <laughs> uh, the direction we're we're introduced to like the neomorph at the end of Prometheus. We see like the lesser developed. Uh, alien. Yeah, I don't want to see the only morph I want to see is the Xeno. Right. Morph. Right. And we see. Yeah. I mean, just like as a lesser. I don't care. I mean, just yeah. Get to the meat. And then know? in in Covenant, you know, uh, we see like the fact that maybe David had a big part in in uh in creating like genetically engineering the the Xenomorph into what it is in the Alien movie. And, you know, we, I'm not even diving, like, we could dive into the, the ships right. and, <laughs> and the planets and, you know, the different iterations and, you know, stuff that David is creating and uh, in his little workshop of genetic engineering or whatever in this film. And, you know, the scenes between Walter, also played by Fassbender. Yeah, uh, and it's a good performance. David, I will like, say it's a good performance by Fassbender. Yeah. But I was kind of, I don't know, <clears throat> bored during a lot of his scenes. I mean, he's yeah. he's a really good actor. Like, he's he's never, like, bad in anything. But right. um, it's definitely the best performance in the movie. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I thought, it, yeah, that's, like, something positive I took out of it as well. Um and like I said, some of the action sequences are just well done and well shot. It gets really confusing with like the years. Like actually, these take place um, after if you if you look at the years on the the beginnings of the film. So that doesn't really make sense. Um, and it's interesting. But this I, is like leading up. This is it's before leading up to Alien, the original Alien, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's supposed to be. Um, and obviously like the technology is better, so like the ships look better. But that's just a you know <clears throat> the nature of of advancements in cinema technology, but it, I'm curious how much uh, Ridley Scott actually sort of acknowledges the later films like Aliens and Alien 3 and uh, Alien Resurrection. Like if he even cares about their existence or if yeah. this whole this whole resurrection of the series is about Ridley Scott like taking ownership back of the franchise and like... I saw like, that. No, um, this this is really what I meant. And, yeah, you know, I, I read that he. Yeah, he doesn't like acknowledge like Alien Res. Or I think he's he's not a fan of the third or fourth. Uh, okay, Alien Three. Most people aren't. I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean by far. I mean the reason why this is such a huge franchise. The first two are kind of classics, like Alien as like a horror film. Aliens, the sequel, James Cameron directed as like an that's like a gung ho like action picture. Um, but it's kind of like a classic in the sci-fi genre. Um, but I mean, you know, most great franchises like generally have like a maximum of like two great movies, like, you know, whether it's Godfather or Star Wars or Terminator, you know, like, you know, when you have two classics like that, it's going to spawn like a huge franchise and that's what we've seen. But, you know, having said all this, like, I think that they'll probably make a third one, which leads up like right up to the original alien and like, right. I don't know, I'll probably go see it 
even though I really didn't like this one. I mean, just like if if they're able to write the ship and like just I don't know, I I, I just I don't know. I, I have some faith that like he's a, he would be able to make a movie that it's obviously not going to match the original's greatness, but kind of is just like a throwback of like, all right, let's just cut out all this nonsense and let's yeah. just like make a straight you know, uh, forging a, you know, just really effective, well-paced, good character, memorable character, like horror movie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm going to leave you Rob with a, a spicy take. Okay. Not a high take, hot take, a spicy take. Like it. Ridley Scott has made two good movies in the last 25 years. The Martian. I'm out. <laughs> the Martian. I like, you know, in this, I, I like American gangster actually. Okay. Uh, a movie that we saw in college. And I remember thinking like, I remember thinking like this is winning best picture. I mean, it didn't even get nominated, but I I, I like that as like is like a gangster movie. Um, I mean, Gladiator. Like, I know you're a big fan of that movie. Like, I've never been a huge fan. Like, obviously, I mean, a one best picture. Like, it's not a bad movie, but I don't know. He he's very prolific, and he does he's done so much. But like, I don't know if you remove like the original Alien, like, and you just kind of look at his work. Like, I don't really like really. Scott. I don't know. I'm just not not big of a fan. You know. So, yeah. I don't know. I mean, that that's kind of uh, how I how I see his his career. But um, yeah, it's hard to disagree. Yeah, I mean, he's he's definitely uh, you know, sort of a master of of creation, and maybe that's technical. Yeah, like, he's like a technical master. Yeah, way, and know, he storyboards but, um, all of his films. Like he does all of the storyboarding, yeah. like shot for shot, and so basically, like that's why he's so efficient on set. I I believe you know he just goes in and you know, shows the index card of the picture that he wants and they go and shoot it, you know? Um, so yeah, I think that's why he's able to make so many films and maybe things are rushed or not fully thought out. I, I, I listened to an, uh, a podcast with him on it, the, the empire film podcast. Um, and basically he said, like, he explained the structure of how they're writing these movies. And he's like, we start with a act one act two act three and from there we we start with like the logic of the story and it has to make logistical sense and then we flesh out the story and write dialogue and and set scenes and stuff and it's like i don't know if that's really like how you make uh an impactful like emotional film you know and and story like I don't know if that works it's just it felt working out for him i mean it feels very obviously he has yeah, he has, like, a fan base. Like, I mean, his movies do well. And, like, you know, like, look, I mean, the guy's made, like, over 30 movies. And, you know, who are we? But, like, I, I agree with you. And, like, maybe that's just, that's reflective in the work. And yeah. I don't know. I'm just, like, the majority of his movies, I'm just, I, I see a lot, most of them. And yeah. I know in college, like, he was putting out, like, you know, Body of Lies with, like, Leonardo DiCaprio. Right. And, you know, we did, like, the Robin Hood remake and, like, The Counselor. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, I'm not... I'm not really a fan. Um, He's not your guy. Yeah, so that's fair. Um, Man, uh, let me let me dive in. I know we've, we're going a little long here. I I just have so much to say about like this universe, and you know we haven't even mentioned like Billy Crudup's character, like the yeah, the religious <laughs> captain, and and uh, James Franco, who makes a a very odd cameo appearance in, as like the an iPad like clip <laughs> or you yeah. know like it, oh weird, and that's such like talent. a like cringeworthy scene uh and and like is that really is this our fearless leader to go uh you know settle this colony on an on a strange and distant planet <laughs> this, like this is the because guy? he's climbing a he's climbing a mountain with no harness <laughs> right. like what like Man, it just didn't make any yeah. sense and 
Um, and you mentioned like the whole uh, apocalypse of the engineer society with, uh, you know, David like wipes out the whole engineer planet because and I didn't really understand that watching the film in the in the theater. And then I went back and watched online on YouTube uh, the prologues that rele- were released um, by the studio before the film came out. Uh, this most recent one. And so the two prologues are called, uh, Oh God, what are they called? Yeah. I mean, I, I think I know what you're, I think I know what you're referencing, but I yeah, sorry. <laughs> I, I can't find it. Um, but there are two prologues online. If you just search like <laughs> alien covenant prologues and one of them yeah. explains, uh, the whole thing with like Elizabeth Shaw, the doctor in Prometheus and like how, uh, David, or she put David back together and then she died. And like he studied the, the engineer culture on their ship and then determined that the whole society or like the whole, uh, the whole being itself needed to be destroyed by its own, uh, its own weapon of mass destruction that it created, which was the alien itself. Like the alien strain was originally, created in prometheus as like a weapon of mass destruction uh presumably to destroy humans because like in prometheus if you remember uh you know um the captain played by uh idris elba it like destroys uh does like a kamikaze and destroys his himself to stop the the engineer from taking off with all of the little pods full of the alien strain uh heading to earth you know I, you, i'm sure you haven't seen prometheus in a while but like yeah it I'm just man just even saying these words out loud i yeah sound, it sound, you sound like a uh crazy i know you're reading like, i sound like a crazy like, person actually, yeah crazy right <laughs> yeah and i don't know <laughs> I, like i don't think i want to dive back into this universe <laughs> no, till, no, like, no. 2030 <laughs> like that's the next let me, time let me i'll take be ready a decade off <laughs> yeah yeah i mean the first two are classics like obviously watch those if you you've never seen them but the rest are kind of uh i don't know garbage yeah a little bit. I'm, um I'm but just, yeah let's I'm uh fatigued <laughs> yeah yeah i mean hey, if you if i did the deep dive you did I, I would feel the same way yeah so let's um let's wrap things up yeah we've gone uh we've gone pretty long here so uh thanks for sticking with us um that's it for this episode of must go faster uh thanks so much for listening and as always if you like what you heard please remember to rate and review us on itunes and uh spread the word yeah uh thanks again for listening uh we really appreciate everybody listening and spreading the word and in the words of aziz ansari as dev from master of none season two allora allora i know what it means allora you say it all the time allora hey what are you doing allora